I'm Jamie Rebinal, and welcome to this episode of Cinema from the Spectrum. On November 3rd, 2020, our neighbors in the United States were holding their election day, and well, the results, we thought that they would be a little bit more immediate, and yet it's been dragged out for at least a whole week. When I say that it's been dragged for at least a whole week already, we thought that by midnight, some places already would be already counting most of the vo votes unless we already knew the results from, say, a California or a New York where they would always be blue or Alabama and Texas where they're usually red. We thought that by... Uh, we thought that by... Let's just say that we thought that by the end of the day, this would all be over, and yet, and yet, uh, we were mostly just doom scrolling on our social media accounts. But then, by the end of the week, it was announced that Joe Biden won the presidency. So, some of you are wondering, why is it that I'm speaking about this on a cinema podcast when you think that this shouldn't be something that I would normally be talking about because it's Unless, here's the thing, unless you follow me on social media, some of you would probably know that my politics are at least very heavily left-leaning. I'm very, I, I do like to share a lot of this whenever I can, because I think it's important that we do talk about how we, how we see these real-life issues, especially coming in relation to the art that we consume, because some of you know, you know that phrase, life imitates art. So that's why I wanted to talk about films that I think best capture the sort of chaos that we've been feeling as we were doom scrolling Twitter, Facebook, or whatever social media platform you're using. You know, so you're seeing your friends sharing Instagram stories about what's happened in the United States. And I think that, uh, I think that sometimes we might, we might even look at some films that cover the events that have that unfolded and how we can also use these as a perfect way to learn about to kind of learn about what we about the way the United States it's uh, whatever I'm just bl blathering on right now whatever it is that the United States has been trying to Let's just say they're trying to create some sort of a democracy, and yet they are clearly not anymore by that point. So here's the thing: for the first three films, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little backwards. So we're gonna be going for. In that, I'm gonna start with something that's a little bit more recent compared to what we're gonna talk about later on in the show, as we talk, because these films, I think, are probably some of the. Some of the earlier examples of, of where we can go to who see how the how the United States has failed to kind of cap, to create some sort of democracy, like they said they would, because it's always skewered in favor of something or another. Especially as we saw with the Bush versus Gore results, when it turns out that they didn't even get a result. Well, the whole until a whole month later, after we were all hopeful that Al Gore, Gore won the presidency, like 
you know, he should have. And still, no, that's uh, kind of besides the point. That's kind of besides the point right now because I'm here to talk about films, aren't I? Okay. Okay, let's go. So the first film I would like to talk about is a film by Alexander Payne. It's his Oscar-nominated film, Election. This film is set in a high school in Omaha, and it covers an election that takes place within the student body. So what is it about this film that I think makes it, makes it interesting to analyze, especially within the bigger context? The thing is, when Alexander Payne made the movie Election, there was that one scene where all the all the student body, or all of the student council presidential candidates are within the gym, set to make their speeches in front of the whole student body. There is something that should strike you about the way that scene appears visually, because it looks exactly like oh, it's it's almost like what's the I'm looking. For? It's almost like you're looking at an actual presidential rally let's just say uh, you're looking at uh, let's say you're looking at the rally that any presidential candidate has been able to rack up well particularly before COVID-19 hit I also wanted to talk talk about how uh, this kind of pertains to the fact that uh, a certain loser has been trying to make his own comments about a rigged election, how the electoral college system parallels what, what it is that's shown in the movie. Because, because the way you're seeing how things work in this movie is that we've been established that there are three possible presidential candidates. And obviously, the way, with the way the United States is working, it's all, they always stick by a two-party system. You want to know a little something I think about that? I think that it, the two-party system, it absolutely sucks, man. It just sucks. It just sucks because there's almost no... It just doesn't... It feels like when everything's limited to just Democratic, Republican, it's like... How do I put this? It's like they're trying to pit left versus right, but... Uh, but the thing is, they always have this idea that they want to pander to the moderates because, oh, you know, that's how the swing states work. And I'm thinking maybe that's not exactly the case here because the way the the way this film kind of paints a picture of the elect of the way uh, the United States loves to kind of they love to kind of say that their electoral college system is the perfect one it's flawless and yet <laughs> and yet look where we are let's say there's i wanted to talk about this movie and how there's one scene that i'm gonna go back to like that one scene where we see everybody within the within the gym like it's an actual presidential rally. Everybody's making their speeches. Their first one, the first candidate we see is Tracy Flick, played by Reese Witherspoon, and probably the very best performance that I would say that she's ever been in. I would like to say that, uh, I would like to say that uh, when you're introduced to Tracy Flick, she has this, uh, 
what's this? She has this uh, aura, like she's an overachiever. Because the first time you see her just setting up a table for her candidacy for student council president, she sets up a table, but the way this shot is edited, she sets up a table where, you know, we, we see every table has four legs, and yet she unfolds five legs in one of the film's most clever... The most clever nods to how, to show how much of an how much of an overachiever, how over eager she is to win a presidency. But here's the thing: you look at how Tracy Flick relates with the other students. She seems to care only about herself in the bigger picture. She only seems to care about herself because. The way she interacts with other students, she's not super popular. She's not super popular among her peers, as you can see. Yeah. There's also the fact that uh, the other candidates, which happen to be from the same family, they, there's Paul Metzler, who is a fairly popular student, but his speech, it's very monotone. He kind of speaks just like this, like, as many of you know, oh, I broke my leg, the... I broke my leg in a skiing accident. Yeah, blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> to me, I don't know. I like that guy. I like that guy a lot. I think Chris Klein uh, did an amazing job when he <laughs> when he tried to when he tried to pull off a deliberately bad speech within the moment. Like I think that's a I think it's just brilliant because it shows that it kind of shows that everybody was more than willing to vote for him and yet. And yet, this is what it's kind of been. And I get everybody's everybody would have thought that because he's so popular, he was a safe bet to win. Because you know that's what the that's what his poster said. You know, Paul Metzler, you bet. But you see, I think that that's also speaking a great deal towards how the electoral college system is very skewered as is because we already saw that coming into play with Bush versus Gore and but you see the way I look at it is when you're seeing everything from the eyes of Matthew Broderick's character Jim McAllister and you take into consideration the fact that Tracy Flick has just been giving him a hard time all throughout the film but we're not even sure exactly what is there for him what is there for him to get so irritated about you know it's like I'm there thinking, what is, yeah, Tracy's annoying, but what is it about how to her that really gets the ire of Jim? I know, that's also why I think this is probably Matthew Broderick at his best, because he's very, he is just outright scummy, he's, and he also manages to sell him as a total dweeb, too, which is what I think makes his performance in this movie so. And you know, when you see how the impact of this certain student body election would later impact the lives of everybody else outside of that in the ending of the movie. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it, cause, but if you haven't seen it, the film's on Amazon Prime. It's astonishing. It is amazing how relevant this film is today, especially when you can take into consideration all the parallels that come forth from real life 
and the actual candidates in this movie, I think it's just astonishing. And you know, take it from me, I would be voting for Tammy Metzler after everything that she, after everything that she did, and getting the whole student body riled up because she is like the perfect embodiment, the third party, the one that everybody really thinks should be there to begin with, and <laughs> she's also a total anarchist. You know what? To that I say, yeah, I would vote for her. But, you know, that's how the electoral college system, they like to frown upon the third party all the time as much as they can. And I also think that when you're looking at a film like Election and think about how it beautifully parallels what comes forth, it's just remarkable how ahead of it, how ahead of its time this movie is. And so the next that brings me to my next film, which we're gonna go backwards, just like I said. For those you don't know, I'm also a very big fan of Alan J. Pakula's films, but the film of his that I wanted to talk about the most was within the context of this episode was All the President's Men, which is a two-time Academy Award winner for Best Supporting Actor and for Best Adapted Screenplay. Oh, wait, I think it was up for Best Sound, if I remember correctly. I, did it win that? I might have to check again. But anyways, what I love about this film, if you don't know what this movie is about, it tells the true story of what's happened following the Watergate scandal and the two journalists, Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward, as the as they sought to print this story out for everybody else to see. For everybody else to see. And you know what I know something? I think this film is just remarkable. Oh yeah, it did win Best Sound. Oh, yeah, I'm just looking it up right now. And Best Production Design. I'm always forgetting all these things. But anyways, that's not important in the context of this episode because, because what makes All the President's Men such a great film is that here's the thing. This is a film that's made within the context of that it's the third film in Pakula's Paranoia trilogy, which started off with Clute, went on to the Parallax View, and then concluded with this. I like to look at this film because I think it's important that we, it's a, it, I think it's important that we take into consideration the role that the media plays into how, into how the people take towards the news of the the news of the United States as then getting embroiled within uh, within something of this sort because you know there are always those ardent believers who say oh no he was innocent I I trust him all my with all my life and yet and yet you see something so insidious inside of all that you know that also uh, brings me to talk about why I think there is a chance that this could even happen today if we're talking theoretically because we're thinking that now with Donald Trump having lost the presidential election to Joe Biden, it being the first incumbent president to lose a second term since uh, George H.W. Bush, who was one of the absolute worst, if you ask me. But hey, I'm here just to making a lot of controversy today because that's all I'm living for, but whatever. You know, there's a part of me that thinks that with all of this that you're seeing in all the president's men, that there's a chance that it could happen today, especially when you see, 
the Donald Trump having made those claims that he lost the election as a result of voter fraud because all the mail-in ballots were being counted and they were turned out they turned out they were in favor of Biden but I'm just wondering if he's been telling all his voters to just go against mail-in ballots what did he expect you know did he expect that everything would just go as clean as possible all because as he managed to sweep even though he lost the popular vote back in 2016. And you know what? That's what I think makes this film so important because it's it makes us it makes important the way the way in which the media allows the people to get a glimpse into everything that's been going on on up there. And I think that considering the fact that Richard Nixon was also, he also didn't take very kindly to the fact that the Washington Post was uh, was publishing all of these stories that were, that showed exactly the sort of person that he is and the sort of president he would turn out to be. But you know, that's exactly what I th think makes it so important. That's exactly what I think makes it important to just look back at this film again today and think, like, there's always there's always a sense of unease coming from the fact that if you do something like this you could even be you could even be denounced as disloyal to your own country but you know what if your own country is like if America has been building themselves up they've been they've been conditioning their people to say oh we're the greatest nation on earth and yet you know there's uh, a lot of other things I'm not gonna I'm not even gonna get into all the details right now because that's just gonna make this whole that's gonna make this whole episode focus not on movies but on something bigger but you know I wanted to talk more about I want to talk more about how we're looking at all the president's men again today I just wanted to say not only is it just an amazing film all around but it's also probably one of the most uh, it's also it also allows you to get a glimpse of what what it is that American nationalism can build itself upon on and the sort of effect that it has on the American people when they place their own country their the supposed values that they cherish so much over everything else you know it's like they they can't even stick to their own principles when there's a everything is in the name of religious freedom but what for who Christians that's all they want to that's all that uh, that's all they want to know as long as they're winning the war that they create as long as everything as long as everything is just in their favor and because you know it's for the for the better of the nation and uh, but, you know it's just a bunch of ridiculous nonsense if you ask me whatever whatever i i think that uh it's also i think that it's also uh important that especially when you consider the fact that donald trump has, has pretty much been saying that oh all this is just fake news because it's not in my fa favor and then what do you know his own favorite news outlet fox news later said oh we're projecting joe biden to win the presidency Suddenly they're fake news now. <laughs> oh, what a loser. He... Oh, you know, but you know, it's important that we look at all the president's men 
and we commend the bravery that these people have taken upon themselves to challenge bad the fact that the system is just being run by bad people and being skewered by that and come on you we saw evidence of we saw a lot of that that happening with Mitch McConnell to blocking a Supreme Court nomination from Barack Obama and I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna go into detail about how I feel about Barack Obama's tenure as president because but here's the thing when Barack Obama nominated somebody to take over the role Antonin Scalia when Scalia died and god no Scalia awful person Oof. Mitch McConnell was one of the main reasons that he that ended up getting blocked. But here's the thing. When uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died just recently, they just rushed to nominate this one person who just who aligns with their values. And it's like, oh, nope. Suddenly, it's a double standard. But come on now. Come on now. You can see through the teeth on these guys. But come on. When Mitch McConnell looks just like the pale man from Pan's Labyrinth, what do you expect? But you know... We go back to John Frankenheimer's The Manchurian Candidate from the 1960s, which was a film all about the communist scare back in the day and how this has been used to, to brainwash the public into becoming we their weapons of destruction. You know, that's what I think... Uh, that's what I think this whole... Uh, that's what I think that this whole four years of President Donald Trump has essentially led his... Um, his own followers into you know oh it's honestly just depressing to think that everything that's been everything that suddenly is considered radical is just isn't even as far left as say stuff like the black panther party it's just people campaigning for basic human rights come on look at where just look at how a film like the manchurian candidate depicts something of this sort and you're thinking you're thinking to yourself that maybe just maybe there's something going on down there and they know exactly what they're doing and just uh, look at the just look at how Raymond Shaw as played by Lawrence Harvey in this magnificent movie has been conditioned over the course of the movie and you're thinking to yourself, this is not just any ordinary, this is not just any ordinary political thriller. It's just one of the absolute finest American movies ever made. I'm, I love looking at this movie because it's just so, it's just such an, it's such an astonishing, it's just a, such an astonishing way of, seeing how how Americans want to believe exactly what they're being fed even if it's just a total lie I think it's absolutely depressing and considering where exactly the film goes from there you can't even deny you can't even deny that there's something like that just happening somewhere else even today because what happened in the what happened within the days of President Donald Trump could only be best summed up by the fact that that these people 
who have started following along the lines of Donald Trump, they only follow along those lines and they shut completely shut out everything else happening within this world today. They complete they're completely shut out of everything because they just want to believe that everything Donald Trump says is the absolute truth. They only follow along with that. And you know what? I think that's how and that's how more people slowly become more radicalized by their own experiences. It's just and you know look at where the Manchurian candidate starts off versus where it ends as Frank Sinatra's character just says it's like oh hell and so what can we learn from these films and how they portray history well you see I'm gonna go back I'm gonna go back to the present Let's look at uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's film Borat, for example. I wanted to focus primarily on the first one because the second one, we already know all the stuff about the Rudy Giuliani scene and whatever. But um, I looked at the very first Borat movie and think about how this film has already become a time capsule for what America has become within the post 9-11 days. It's uh, it's astonishing when you look at the rate the rodeo scene. Forgive me for messing up there. I <laughs> it's astonishing when you look at the rodeo scene because this is a bunch of people who have been cheering when Borat when he's out there just he's out there just saying that we will bomb Iraq until no more. No more man, woman, child, animal is alive in there anymore. And then there's a crowd of people just cheering at this. You could see their faces so clearly. You can't help but be horrified that this is exactly what America has become. This is exactly what America is has been building themselves upon. It's just outright depressing. Oh my goodness. And the fact that it's had to be refuted even today. I think what we can learn from how these films, how films of this sort can portray history is that maybe there's something, there's something wrong with that very system that America is being, has been founded upon. And these films, the way they address it, it makes them so much more urgent than ever. At one point, you're like, you're watching, a, let's just say you're watching Election. This is like the best high school movie ever made. And then suddenly, you look at it in a bigger scope, and then you think to yourself, gosh, that's actually kind of depressing how much this might, might have happened in the bigger picture. Because, you know, by the end of the movie, even though Tracy flipped, it got, it may have gotten exactly where she wanted. Was it really all that? And what exactly would it mean for the people who are following under her and those who didn't? What's going to happen after that? You know, part of me wants to say, 
part of me wants to say it's that sense of it's just that sense of overconfidence you know I think that there's always I think that there's something wrong just with that system with those that system that America likes to uh, pray put themselves on like they and they always praise themselves for it like they're completely flawless and I'm here sitting as a neighbor from America I mean from Canada what the f what the heck's going on with my brain today like I'm just rambling on you listen to me rambling for at least half an hour about my left-leaning politics for for god knows how long but you know what Maybe, maybe that's how, that's a perfect, as perfect example as any of how art imitates life. And it, and you know what? It's just bound to happen again someday, someday soon. We'll imagine there might be a movie about everything we saw our neighbors going through. And who knows? Maybe it's just gonna be another Oscar winner because you know that's what they <laughs> because you know that's exactly what they want to do. That's exactly what they want to see. But somewhere, somewhere out here, we're thinking maybe it might be a little too soon. Just maybe. And it's quite depressing, I think. Anyways. I'm Jamie Revenal. Thank you for listening to this rant. This long talk. I hope I've enlightened you to a few movies that you could be watching if you're feeling some election day blues, especially when you've been feeling, especially if you felt some sort of relief from the way, from the fact that Donald Trump is no longer in office coming January of next year. I think that I, uh, I hope that, I think that there might be some hope for the future, but we need to push for it because the fight doesn't stop at Donald Trump losing the presidency. It keeps going on because even in the Barack Obama days, it's not like all these issues were solved, but you know, that's what the Democratic Party in the United States is like. They just want, want to focus on, up until... They just want to focus on everything that's going bad at the fault of the president as long as it's from their opponent's side. And I'm not going to... I'm not going to deny that Donald Trump has done a lot of bad things. But come on now. There's still room for improvement. Thank you for listening. I shall see you again later.